0: 80% of the workforce in the world are deskless today. These are people who wake up in the morning not to sit behind a desk. They are going out into the field with a list of activities they have to do, whether it's climbing up on a pole to fix it, to make sure the electricity lines are up and running, fix a leak in the gas pipeline or repair an appliance.
1: (laughs) You show up for engaging conversations, we handle everything else. Ready to build a podcast that grows your business in just one hour per week? Reach out to us at contentallies.com.
2: Hey leaders, welcome back. I'm Noah Tetzer, and I'm joined today by the CEO at Zinnier, a deskless productivity software, enabling service teams focused on installation and maintenance to better execute in the field. You know, 80% of workers across the globe are deskless, contractors who keep our lights on and gas flowing. Think of healthcare workers, those who build bridges and other infrastructure. My guest today aims to serve these people, an often underserved segment of the global workforce, facing a unique set of issues and challenges. Pratik Chakravarti, welcome to Leaders of B2B. Thanks, Noah. Thanks a lot, and a pleasure being here with you all. It's such a pleasure having you on the podcast, Pratique, and I'm excited for our conversation because I think it will be one that sort of, um, you know, ventures off the beaten path of the stories that come out of these conversations with, you know, tech founders and tech entrepreneurs. So. The first question I have for you is, you know, we talk about this, this desk, deskless workforce. I, I kind of hinted at it in the beginning of, you know, my introduction, but really introduce us to this segment of people, this large segment of underserved people uh, that you serve on a daily basis. Who, you know, what is this workforce? Yeah, yeah.
0: So, uh, Noah, th- think of our regular lives, right? We, You and I, we work at our desks in the office or at home right now. And as we are leading our lives, the many aspects of our day-to-day world, which is important to us, which is keeping us up and running, which if it fails, will put us in a lot of trouble. So, for example, the the electricity that we get, the internet in our homes, uh, the gas that is flowing, the streets that are paved. To maintain these, even the equipment in your home, your dishwasher. Today, I I had a person fixing my dishwasher at home because it was broken and we couldn't do dishes for two or three days hell broke loose. So we have uh, an army of folks uh, working on a daily basis in the field, making sure these assets are working, making sure that our life runs uh, on a good schedule. As you've said, 80% of the workforce in the world are deskless today. These are people who wake up in the morning not to sit behind a desk. They're going out into the field with a list of activities they have to do, whether it's climbing up on a pole to fix it, to make sure the electricity lines are up and running, fix a leak in the gas pipeline or repair an appliance. And these are the people we serve. And and why is it important? There's there's a fundamental reason why it is underserved. Think about the entrepreneurs today, right? They live and breathe the world we are in today, right? So when they are thinking about problems to solve, the problems they see are for people like us who are working behind uh, a desk. You don't have entrepreneurs coming out from this underserved segment. And and that has been a theme for Zinnia. That has been a theme in my career where uh, we want people to realize these these guys are doing important work. These are blue collar workers doing important stuff. How can we make their lives easier? How can we empower them to achieve greater things, which in turn will make our lives better? So that 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 is the main ethos. That's what drives uh, us at Zinnia today.
2: So in terms of, you know, the- types of workers that zinnier serves are these blue collar workers from across industries i mean could it be from outdoor living to construction to healthcare etc
0: yes yeah good good question Noah. so the, the these yeah the, these workers can be across industries we are a software company a, a workflow we have a workflow driven approach we orchestrate workflows so these workflows can be applicable to any field service industries any uh, being in a being a startup, uh, the stage we are in, uh, we have to narrow down our focus and and, and start small and then grow. Uh, the good part yeah. is the market is infinite; we can expand. So today, we are, the use case we have focused on is uh, asset installation and maintenance. So think of any asset, whether it's your equipment at home or uh, tele, uh, your equipment uh, on a utility pole or, or telecom equipment, link fiber. So we focus on that particular use case, the industry verticals that we have traction in today are manufacturing assets, digital assets, and telecom assets. So we have narrowed down our focus to uh, penetrate these markets first, and then as we continue to grow, the the workflows uh, are broadly applicable to all field service industries.
2: So now, introduce us to the software itself, Pratik. I'd love to. Well, I don't. Well, I am not necessarily a blue collar worker myself. Uh, I'm very familiar with certainly that um, that ecosystem many family yeah. members, many uh, colleagues who, who live in certainly the very blue-collar town of Green Bay, Wisconsin that I live in, uh, yeah, very familiar with that ecosystem. But introduce us to Zinnier, the software. You know, what sort of capabilities uh, does it provide to blue-collar workers allowing their pro- productivity to accelerate? Yeah. So
0: let's do it this way. Let's think of a, a value chain of uh, a field worker or a field work to be done. Uh, To simplify, let me break it up into four parts. You have uh, a work order that needs to be generated, which means what is the work to be done. Somebody has to figure out what work has to be done. Then you have to schedule and dispatch a person to the site. So let's say the work is, I have to fix or lay fibers to your home uh, to make sure you have internet. Somebody has to be scheduled and dispatched for the work with the right assets and parts. The third is the work has to be done in the field it has to be executed by the person using a mobile app, and finally, there's the reporting aspect. So, if you look at this value chain, uh, what we provide is a collection of workflows softwares that meet the entire value chain. So, you have features that you can design in terms of workflows and stitch it together to provide an end-to-end solution. So, that's what we do. It's it's a it's a software. Uh, there are big players in the industry it's a big industry you have the oracles of the world and the salesforce of the world and microsoft and sap everyone is in there so the next question is what is our differentiation why do we exist And, and the interesting point here is if you look at historically in this industry these softwares have been very difficult to implement it's mission critical so the implementation process has to be very robust but since it's a collection of different workflows it takes time to implement so if you are a big company a big enterprise doing this, you can spend millions of dollars, at least hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, on expensive system integrators to implement the right kind of software. But let's say if you're a mid-market company, which is majority of the U.S. and the globe, these are companies between $50 million to a $1 billion in revenue. They may not have the resources to implement an expensive software. So they stick to a pen and paper approach. So our goal, our focus is to target these mid-market companies and say, we'll give you the best of both worlds. We will give you a solution that is tailored to your use case without having to spend money on uh, expensive integrators. And the way we do this is a uh, tool, which is uh, a no-code customization tool. Uh, it's a framework where you can go inside the product, make changes to tailor the software to your use case. And as we know, uh, Every industry is different, every field work is different. So that's what we are bringing to the table along with uh, an AI-driven automation. Uh, we have uh, AI solutions that automate a lot of these workflows. So that combination of automation and customization at uh, with no code is our differentiating factor in this industry that has existed for years, uh, for hundreds of years
2: it's really an interesting time to be working in this space pratik i mean everybody keeps throwing around the the phrase the great resignation and so forth obviously we're we still find ourselves in the midst of unfortunately something of a global pandemic uh, but you know blue collar industries in themselves you know have seen something of a decline historically over the last few decades are all of those factors you know things that that come up in your work with mid market companies within this space you are spot on, Noah, absolutely. And, and, and personally,
0: that's what drives me. I was, I was fortunate to start my career in the field. And as you rightly pointed out, what's happening is the, the excitement to be in the field is falling off. There's a big dearth of skilled workers with the uptick in tech, with the advancement of tech. You, know, you see a lot of talent going into tech. People are just not willing to sign up for these industries. And, and what's happening with these companies is these folks are retiring. The knowledge transfer issue is becoming a, a big, big challenge. It is, it is a problem. It is a problem. So, I mean, my, my, my goal, engineers' goal, you Noah, know, is how do we make this work sexy again? You know, yes. I, I was fortunate, I started off in the oil and gas industry 20 years back in the field. And back in those days, and thanks to the company I worked for, they had created a program where you earned your stripes by being in the field. You know, you, you, you earned more respect by being in the field. So what can we do? How can we make this field work sexy? You know, it should, it, people shouldn't consider this as an because they couldn't take up math, science, or arts. We have to make it attractive. We have to give them the tools that make sense. You know what? I like my job and I want to do it. And and it it will take a big effort. It'll take people like us, you, me, everyone to you know, solve the problems, build solutions, innovate around that. But it, it is it is a known problem. You talk to any business owner in this segment, they'll tell you that knowledge transfer and and uh, you know finding the right skill set, employees with right skill set, is a
2: huge huge challenge today. And have, have you found that a, a great resource such as Zinnier makes the overall lifestyle of the blue collar worker, the user experience, quote unquote, you know, their their day in the field, you know, more modernized, you know, more um, perhaps in a way similar to a, a white collar job. Yeah, have you found yeah. that your tool, you know, empowers yeah. workers in that way?
0: Yeah, absolutely, no, absolutely it, it does. And, and and we are just a start. And 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 I hope, I hope, we sincerely hope uh, many more solutions come up. And and if you if you look at historically in this field service industries, uh, the important thing is for software companies like us, we are not paid by the deskless workers, we are paid by the field service companies, right? So historically, when when software solutions have catered to the field service companies they have kept the back office persona or the field service company in mind. So all the innovation has happened on the back office side of things. What we are trying to do is with a design centric approach, put the deskless worker front and center. Our company's vision is centered around that. uh, Every time we build a product, every time we design a go-to-market strategy, the first question we ask is how is it going to help the deskless worker? uh, you know, we are a young company. I believe it's just a start, but it is a start, right? Uh, we want every person, every person to think about the deskless worker. An example I use internally within our company is, you know, what Amazon did 20 years back with customer centricity, right? Think of your retail buying experience before that. It was horrible. What Amazon said was, we'll figure out how to make money, but we will treat our customers well. And we all have had amazing experiences with the Amazon concept. That's the philosophy that they have. We want to bring in that philosophy of when you're designing products, how do you keep your deskless worker at the center of it? You know, we we have people going out into the fields, doing ride-alongs, trying to feel that world they are in, and then design experiences that suit their world we know we'll get paid by the field service companies and and my message to the ceos of this mid-market companies is you know you have to take care of your deskless workers right if you don't take care of them they will leave you Mm -hmm. are facing this challenge so work with us we'll design experiences for you that benefit the deskless workers and you will see productivity go up and that that message absolutely they understand that they have to change their approach and put the deskless Mm -hmm. worker front and center
2: well Prateek, you're not just some tech entrepreneur who woke up one morning with the idea for Zinnier. You have experience working in this ecosystem. You mentioned briefly that you, 20-odd years ago, worked in the oil and gas industry. Tell us about how you were introduced to this field. Tell us about some of your experiences.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, 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 you know, sheer luck, or let's say... uh, uh, when I was an undergrad, I was a mechanical engineer, right? And, and I was going through my undergrad during the dot-com boom. For some reason in my undergrad, the only course where they did not teach you how to code. Every other department, every other discipline had coding. So I, I didn't learn how to code. And I remember everybody was going, picking up Java books and going into the dot-com era. I said, hey, what can I do? One thing I enjoyed doing Noah was traveling. I, I love, I love traveling. And I found this job you know, with an oil service company, Schlumberger, great company. Said, hey, we'll we'll just move you around. You have to work in the field for the first four or five years. And then you move to the office. I said, hey, how bad can it be? So that's how my career in field service started. And I just fell in love with it. You know, I was there with Schlumberger for about five years, hardly spent five percent of my time in the office. It was out in the field as a drilling engineer working on rigs. I've worked in the, the marshy areas in Indonesia spend uh, you know, years in, in the frozen deserts of uh, Siberia. Uh, I've had an amazing experience. And, and that kind of drove this path, you know, of, of, you know, what can I do to make their life easier? You know, when I would go into the field, I still remember, and, and Schlumberger was a great company, things were very punitive, right? We were asked, to oh, you have to report every hour. You have to report every day what you're doing. Rather than asking me, how can we make your life easier in the field? We were the ones generating revenue for the company. So somehow, you know that stayed with me in the back of my head. and And, and that's the world I lived in. Even when I moved on and worked in a utility and in an investing role, I still was involved in the utility operations. So that's you know, calling, that's the world I relate to. I'm, I'm not your. Average tech entrepreneur who knows how to code and has, you know, dealt has been a computer science engineer. No, I come from the field. That's the world I understand. That's the language I speak. Those are the people I have, you know, grown professionally with, and 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 I can relate to the, the pain points that they that they face today.
2: Well, Pratik, we talked about this a little bit moments ago, and I'm I'm curious as to learn, you know, what are the challenges or you know issues that arise when building a platform for uh, field workers uh, who may or may not necessarily be used to, certainly not incapable of understanding, but not used to the types of softwares that, say, somebody working at a tech company.
0: Yeah, yeah. See, I think it, it goes, good question. It goes to the core of your design thinking process. The folks like us, you know, working behind the desk, we... We take certain things for granted. We take certain user interactions for granted. Yeah, life in the field is different. A simple example of how do you hold a phone and click, and click wearing gloves? So when you're wearing your gloves and you're clicking stuff, are you getting the right response, right? Right. What device are you consuming information on? Is it a phone, is it a tablet? How do you think about your flow? I mean, I I talked about the workflows moving from one step to another. Uh, How do I process information? When I'm in the field and trying to call someone for help, how noisy is the environment? Even basic stuff as, do I have cell phone connectivity? Do I have connectivity to just interact with folks? Uh, I, I give folks an example, and this was 20 years back, things have improved. For the longest time, when I worked on a drilling site, I had zero connectivity, zero. I had no connectivity. Every day I would get two hours, sorry, two minutes to connect via a satellite phone to submit a report to my uh, coordinator sitting in the office. So now think of designing a software experience for me with zero connectivity. And I'm sure there are locations in the country and the world where people don't have connectivity. So you almost have to go down and live that world to understand they are what they are doing and then design software experiences for them it's not i won't say it's rocket science it just takes that effort of going on a ride along understanding the world spending time with them talking to them you know uh, how do they process information and it varies by industry as well that design thinking has to be there and you have to make that effort to understand their lives
2: well, as you continue to refine Zinier and make it better, and allow it to better serve, um, you know, field service workers, you know, how are you? In addition to your experience coming from that industry, how do you continue to communicate with those that are using your product and continue to make it better?
0: Yeah, customer centricity is big for us. You I mean, know, our customers are uh, telling us a lot, teaching us a lot. So, spending time with the customers. Uh, we do uh, ride-alongs. That's very key for us. We do ride-alongs with our customers, technicians, as often as possible. Not just the product team; everyone across the company. And that that is an important tool as well. We do customer focus groups. You know, let's be honest, our customers know know the world better than we do, right? Even if I have a bit of experience, but I'm not not an expert. So just you know, standard business logic of keep your eyes and ears open. Always listen to your customers. Have a very clear focus of what you're trying to do, and then just take your customer feedback and grow with them. So that that's that's the mantra we want to follow. And if you're building a good product, which we are, we're keeping our customers happy. We'll grow with our customers. This 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 market is massive. The needs are growing. Uh, huge investments going into various industries. Talk about the five G deployment or electric vehicle charging infrastructure deployment. are uh, constructions happening all over the world. So the, the sector is growing. Just Stay close to your customer. Listen to them. Get their feedback. Understand their world. Understand the life of the destitute workers, and, and grow with them.
2: What are your thoughts on the future, Pratik? Are the trades dead, or are they still capable of being saved? I have a suspicion as to which way your answer will lean, but I'm I'm curious on your thoughts of the I, future.
0: Yeah, I, I I dream of a world where, you know, my my daughters. Uh, their friends would would long to work, would want to work in the field. I want every young man, woman, child to say, hey, I want to go out into the field and have a stint, right? I want to make this sexy again, because as a country uh, uh, in the world, we will not progress without them. You know, no matter what automation AI you talk about, we'll still need people in the field. And how do I make it sexy? How do I make it sexy? That's what drives me. That's what drives me. If, if You know, 10, 20 years from now, when I when I retire, hopefully someday, or do something fun, my daughters keep asking me, what do you want to do? I said, I'll, I'll probably go and teach. Let's say 10, 20 years from now, when I start teaching, I should look back and say, you know what? I made a difference. I, I've I've made this uh, this." The world of trades, the blue collar workers, sexy again, people want to spend time, people want to go there. That, that, that's what drives me. I absolutely believe it. You, you cannot have the world progress without you know, folks making sure there is electricity coming to your homes, gas flowing to your homes, uh, constructing the roads, right, uh, laying out fiber in the field. All of these things will be there. As entrepreneurs, what can we do to make it sexy again? And people... Go into these jobs. That, that's what drives me on. That, that's what keeps me up and running. And, and that's what you know, Zinnier stands for as well.
2: I absolutely love that, Pratik. And it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast today. I've learned a lot about uh, this very unique and underserved segment of the global workforce. And I celebrate your work. And of course, I invite everyone to check out Zinnier and your LinkedIn, Pratik, and all of those great resources in the description of this episode, Pratik. Before I let you go, any parting thoughts that you would leave our audience of tech executives, founders, and entrepreneurs with today?
0: Yeah, uh, I think uh, we, we we are on a journey, Noah. Uh, I would I would call out to everyone, uh, come and support us. It's a big effort. It is a big effort, as you can imagine. Uh, it's not a career choice, people genuinely get into, the deathless workers. They need our help. They absolutely need our help. So at any level, if, if, uh, if you guys can just spend a bit of time. Next time a person comes to service your dishwasher at home, just spend five, 10 minutes asking about the day, what it feels like. Even having an appreciation of their daily lives and how different than it is from ours. That itself is a start, just having that empathy. And and spread the word, you know, we we are always looking for good people, Uh, We're always uh, passionate about the problems we are solving, just have an appreciation, spread the word, we are looking for help, we are hiring people, uh, and give us feedback, you know, give us feedback, we are on a journey, it's just the start, it will take a a lot more zineers and a lot more pratique to bring about the difference. So just wanted to spread the word and say there is life outside tech, there are people who are working in the field, and, and let's think what we can do to help them.
2: Indeed. Well, Pratik Chakravarty, thanks so much for joining me today on Leaders of B2B. Thank
0: you, Noah. It was a pleasure.
1: Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leaders of B2B podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating. And as always, you can see more information about this episode and all the resources mentioned at leadersofb2b.com.